If you're prepared to unleash, there's only one place to go. Rx University with your host, Founders Club member, Steve Swartz. Now, get ready to unleash. Hi, this is Steve Swartz and welcome to the podcast. This is episode two of RX University, aka RXU. And hey, we made it. Episode two. A lot of people have been uh, getting back with me, uh, talking to me, giving me some feedback about episode one that they really liked it and stuff. And so we're going to keep pushing forward. I got a great episode for you today uh, for you to learn about. And uh, we've got an interview with Mark Wilson. And hopefully you took some of the messages out of, of last week's podcast. And that is 2020. It's week two of 2020. And this is your time. You've got, you know, w- what's happening here in January. It's going to take about 90 days for you to get this thing moving. Okay. So if you're starting, like I said, draw a line in the sand, make a decision that you're going forward. Keep moving forward. If you have a bad day, shake it off. If you don't do something, shake it off and move forward. Don't stay stuck. And one of the very interesting things is uh, I, I'm a part of this uh, mastermind with Eric Worre. Uh, I paid some good coin to be in the thing and uh, and then for good reason. <laughs> and because you just get better. Uh, you just get better. You learn tidbits. You learn this. You learn that. And you can take it and put it into your business. And one of the things that I ran across before we get into this interview is I want, uh, and I'm not one of those that like gets on there and says, go read this book and go listen to that and do this because people can send you all over the freaking place. And the next thing you're like, you don't even know what's going on and you're more overwhelmed than anything else. And that's kind of like almost the uh, exact reason I want you to read this book. So the book, I'll give it to you here in a sec. Uh, Eric recommended that we read it. And of course you write it down and then you're like, throw it in your notes and you're like, nah, you know, you go off and do this thing. And I said, you know what? I'm going to freaking do this. I'm going to like read this book. I'm going to download it. And then I downloaded it. And of course I didn't read it right away because you know, whatever. Right. And so at the end of the day, I started reading it a couple of days ago. I'm not even through it. Right. So if it's, uh, but I, but I already know, just the first couple of chapters. Like I whistled there. That's pretty good. Uh, next, the next, the, just the first couple of uh, chapters, the first like 50 pages of it, uh, if you just learned that, would help you immensely. And so the book is called uh, Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. Okay. Just go look it up. Go, I put a link in here or whatever. You can go click that. It takes you to Amazon. You know how to do it. Go go get the book, read it on Kindle, whatever you want to do, buy it uh, and start reading it. I think it's like 12 bucks. Okay. It's like a couple Starbucks runs. Boom, you're done. All right. So, so get it. And here's the thing. In our world, there's so much information. Like there's too much information. Like it's hard to even concentrate right? So you're there. Let's say you have a job and you're like, I started this business and I got my boss on uh, on this. I got my family. I got, oh my, I got to do this. And then I'm like, you know, I got to take care of the yard. I got all these things going on, right? What, Whatever. And you're like, how do I even concentrate? Like, how do I even like get anything done? And then as soon as you start on something, you got people like, why are you in that thing? Right. And you got over this over here. And so it's like crazy. And then you're on Instagram, you're scrolling. And next thing, 20 minutes later, you've watched like all these things on Instagram. You're like, ah, you're like dumb on Instagram now. Right. And so, or, or any social media. And so distractions are everywhere. So stillness is the key. 
And I was like, what is this stillness is the key? And I'm just going to give you some ideas. I mean, I, you know, and this is my like paraphrasing. I wrote some notes, but you need to go buy the book and start reading it and have your own like realizations with the book. Okay. So it, it really talks about like, we're, we're at war. This is just kind of like, like we're kind of all at war, uh, uh, with our, with yourself, right? With, with the world and also with ourselves. We have so many different things going on. We feel bad about this thing. We, we don't, uh, we, we need to do better over here. Uh, we have this bills over here, all this stuff. Right. And so it's really hard to be present. And I've heard this over and over through all these different personal development things that, you know, you need to be present. You need to be in the now. And I'm like, great. How do you do it? You know what I mean? Like, how do you do it? Right. And so like, and I don't know if that's been you. And like, so when you're on something, you want to be present and working on it. So if I'm working on my business, I want to be present in my business and know that I'm making a phone call and I'm talking to the person, I'm really listening to them. I'm doing a good invite. Right. And then I'm, I have good intentions. I send a good message to them. All of that, I'm there, there doing it. So when I'm talking to them, I'm not worried about my past. I'm not like sitting there going, man, you know, I should have saved more money. I should have done this. I should have uh, worked out more, whatever, right? Or man, I really want to, uh, I need to hit this goal, but I, I also got to do all these things in the future and I want to make sure this. So you got all these things and you're not present. So this book uh, talks about it and then, and has a lot of different quotes from people and there's different history lessons in there and little anecdotes and stuff, but it's really got a lot of great information. One of the things I thought was like, who is so talented that they can afford to bring only part of themselves to bear on a problem or opportunity. So let's try it. Let's say you're, you have a job, but then you start working on your business part-time. But then during that part-time, you need to put all your effort into doing that. But you're still thinking about what your boss said at work. You got, you know, you got your kids, you got to go to the, the, the practice. You're worried about this thing coming up. You know, you know, you got all what everything, right? So how could you get more focused and how could you be more present so that you can handle things right at, at the moment. And I think this book will really, really help you do that. Um, and, uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, one of the things I wrote down was uh, what, the moment we're experiencing right now, like if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're doing something else, right? You might be working out, you might be doing it, and you're probably not even getting all the information that you need out of the podcast. Like when Mark Wilson lays down some things that you need to know that would help you with your prospect, you might be running or something. And so you might have to stop and take a note, right? So maybe you're not present, or maybe you're worried about other things right now, or maybe you're scrolling freaking social media while you're doing this. You're not taking in what needs to be taken in. And so, um, you know, the moment we're experiencing right now is a gift. That's why we call it the present. I thought that was pretty cool. So, you know, you can't do your best if your mind is elsewhere. So just think about that as you're trying to build your business, dropping things. Um, just think about that, right? Does that silence bother you? Haha. <laughs> You're like, wait, is this off? Right? So just think about this and go get the book. Stillness is the key by Ryan Holiday. I think you'll really love it. And it'll help you from being, uh, with all the chaos in the world, how to get more focused. So with that, hey, I'm going to jump in here. we got a great interview with Mark Wilson. Uh, and I look forward to bringing that to you right now. 
Hey, before we get into the next part of the podcast, I wanted to let you know about something that saved me $1,500 a month. If you're in the United States, you know that healthcare is very expensive. And I was paying $1,978 to the one of the big traditional companies. And Rx launched a new healthcare plan that they offer all of our reps, all of us. And my premium went from $1,978 down to $471 per month. That saves me $1,500. And I know you'd probably want those types of savings as well. Plus, maybe you're in a job and you're trying to get out of that. And you're like, I got to stay for the benefits. I got to stay for the benefits. I've been there. And guess what? With this program... You can save a lot of money and you can get your freedom. So go check it out, www.redirecthealth.com forward slash Rx, A-R-I-I-X. Again, that's redirecthealth.com slash Rx. Go check it out and hopefully you'll be saving just like I did. Okay. Well, hey, welcome Mark Wilson, president of Rx. This is Steve Swartz and... I'm excited to uh, do this interview with Mark. I've known Mark for many, many years. And uh, uh, as I said in the intro, he's got a lot of credentials, a lot of background. But I want to hear from Mark. Mark, first of all, welcome to the RxU podcast, uh, Rx University. And, um, you know, can you give us your background? Like, how, like, what did you, where'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up, basically? Well, thanks, Steve. We, you know, I was thinking we do go way back. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> we watch each other's kids grow up and each other's homes over the years. It's been a great relationship. So my, that first question, uh, I grew up in a town called Layton, Utah. So here in Utah, it was a farm town, grew up out on the farm. My dad was actually in the military. My mom was a farm girl. We lived out there and had a great life growing up with uncles and, and grandparents that were farmers. They raised everything from beets to uh, hay and grain for cattle and corn and other things. So I was, I was a typical red-blooded American farm boy. <laughs> so your dad was in the Air Force. How long was he in the Air Force? Uh, 30 years. So he Holy traveled at first. He was in France and, and uh, Tripoli, South Africa and around the world and then decided to settle down and, and became full-time at Hillfield Air Force Base is where he kind of finally got stationed. And that's why we settled down there. And didn't want us to travel as much as the military life would be. So he liked the uh, staying consistent. And, and uh, I look back on that. That could have been a, an adventure for us. But so, yeah. So you were, you were, you didn't see all his travels over the years. You're basically, is that correct? Or did you did, move anywhere else? You know, what was really crazy is I grew up in the same town, got married to a girl from the same town. In fact, our big thing was a trip to Disneyland or maybe to Tijuana, Mexico. It was out of the country <laughs> It was, it was typical Americana. Yeah. So I always say like, if your dad, if, if you grew up, so I was the army captain, but I was, I went in when I was 23. I was like, if you were, if you grew up like a military brat in any, any way, it's like, uh, you are basically, I was like, you already did your time. It's like, I was like, you probably aren't even going to want to be in the military after that because you, you grew up in that, you know? And so, uh, what did you do in high school? Were you in sports? I was. Played uh, football, wrestled, uh, had a lot of fun doing that stuff. Was a little bit of a wild kid in, in high school, so a uh, little ambitious out there with some of the fun things that we like to do, and, and we had a great time. We had a great high school. And so out of high school, where'd you go? Where'd you, where, where'd you go after that? Uh, well, I served a church mission, uh, which we go out and do service for a year and a half, went to New York City. So here's a farm boy going to New York City, and then you're like, wow, look at this place. This is so different than little old farm town, Layton, Utah. 
that opened my eyes to a whole new world out here. What's the best story from New York City? Come on, there's got to be oh, a good man. one. Guys, how old were you? 18? Uh, how old were you? Yeah, I was eight. I was eight, 19 years old to 21, and uh, it was a crazy time. I mean, we saw people get mugged. We had people try to jump us and mug us. I was kind of a tough farm boy, though, so we didn't put up with much, and we acted like we knew more. And then after you were scared, after you realized what happened. So we had a time in the subway one time where a guy pulled a knife on a, a lady no next to us, and uh, the cops come running in after the event. After, and she actually planted a half a watermelon on his head when the lights went out. So it was the funniest story ever. And my, I, we were in companions. My companion was so scared he wouldn't even move. And, and uh, I had an umbrella and I just kind of kept it between us and said, dude, just sit down. And cops came. It was, it was quite the story, but it was a good journal. Good journal. Wow. So wow. Because of crazy stuff. you're yeah. a wrestler. My dad was a college wrestling coach. So I know you don't mess with wrestlers. Yeah. Love to wrestle. Uh, they, I actually did it just to stay in shape for football. And I actually fell in love with wrestling more than I liked football, believe it or not. But there's not much of a career in wrestling unless you want to be. <laughs> a no, unless you want cauliflower ears and like. Uh, <laughs> no, and that it, stuff. it wasn't yeah. for me, but it was a great sport to keep in shape and always loved the outdoors. So I've always been involved in all kinds of things outdoors. I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie or maybe a lot of an adrenaline junkie. So anything outdoors from motorcycles to snowmobiles to just crazy stuff, water sports, always just loved being outside and seeing what kind of adventure we could find. Well, you're living that life now for sure. So you're, uh, so when did you meet uh, Tracy? When did you meet Tracy? I actually met Tracy in junior high. She liked one of my best friends. Uh, so I got to know her. She was a cute little cheerleader. Then throughout high school, uh, her best friend and my best friend kind of really were that couple most likely to be married. They put in the yearbook type thing. But I like to date a lot of different girls. So we always kept running into each other, but never really kind of, romantic or involved in anything we went on a couple of dates but it wasn't until my senior year at the end when uh, something happened I don't know what happened uh, she invited me out one night to come to her house and and the rest is history I all of a sudden decided I like this girl and I'm not gonna let her go wow so you came back from the mission and then is that what you guys got married three months later and wow. uh, started a family about a year and a half later I have five kids now my baby is 21 years she'll be 22 here soon Four of the five have married, and uh, it's been 34 years of marriage, so. Fantastic. Congratulations. So did you, now what was your first job when you, what was your first job when you started this family? What were you doing? Uh, very first job, I went to work for a plumber, uh, and it was actually a plumbing supply store, but we did plumbing and stuff as well. So got out and started doing that. I also landscaped before I'd left through high school, so I used to, I, I started my own business. I was very entrepreneurial from day one. So now were you dad, going to school during this time or what I was, was going the scene? school at, uh, at the college there, Weber state university and had my wife and we had a child a year and a half into it. But immediately I, I started my own lawn seed business where I was seeding lawns and land, and doing landscaping and uh, laying sod for huge projects and stuff. So I had my own little side business at night and it was one of those things where you work during the day, then at night, all night you work and, you just never had a break. And between that and school, it was just crazy. It was crazy that I, I thought, I don't know if this is ever going to end. Now, did you graduate from Weber State? Uh, I got my associates there. And then I ended up uh, taking a break for a while with the family and work and had some of my own businesses and then went to work for some other companies, uh, which actually got me into this industry that we'll talk about today. I went to work for a company which now is called Convergis. They're the world's largest telemarketing company. And a buddy of mine said, you ought to get out of the dirt and the mud and come and, and try an office job. So 
I thought, well, okay. And I was really good at that. So I used to manage accounts, everything from American Red Cross to Procter & Gamble and huge call center industry. So this was the industry where in the old days you used to pick up the phone and call in to place an order for the butterfly necklace or the gizmos and gadgets you would see on TV all the time. And we would take those orders. So crazy business, but uh, I was pretty oh good God. at it and became a, an account representative, moved up into management and became one of their, their vice presidents. There. At Convergence. So yeah, and I've heard of that. I mean, I heard of that company, gosh, uh, when I was getting out of the military, I think they were big. They were like recruiting people. Yeah, they're all over the world. They're, they're owned by Cincinnati Bell Telephone and they are huge. But uh, we ran some big projects. Uh, probably the biggest one was MCI Friends and Family. We did the, all the phone calls that came in from Dish TV or Direct TV. So it, it was one of those things where a lot of these big companies, you may not realize that they use one conglomerate to take all their yeah. calls. So. Yeah, that's very interesting. The, the Weber State back was my dad was the backfield coach at Weber State in like 1977. We were about to move to San, from Santa Barbara to Weber to, to Ogden. And, yeah. uh, and then my dad got a job as uh, the athletic, one of the athletic directors at Oregon. So we never made the move to Utah, we, but we made, we, we, uh, but we went to Oregon instead. So I do know, I do know a little bit about Weber State. So. Yeah, great school. And then uh, I went back later and finished up at University of Utah. I have a Bachelor of Arts in uh, Communications. So. so you're at Converges, and then what happened? Like, did you, how'd you get into the network marketing field? Wow, great question. So I was working, I was 22 years old, young kid, managing a 600-person call center 24-7. It was one of the largest, it was most successful at that time for the company, and it was MCI Friends and Family. They'd come up with a big program. So, you know, I'm, I'm just killing myself, and I'm making thirty-five, dollars $40,000 a year, and I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute, I, I've got, you know, four managers, 16 supervisors, 600 people reporting to me, and I'm making $35,000, $40,000 a year. And the sales guy's making $150,000 a year. And, and yeah. waltzing in and having fancy lunches and leaving, I'm thinking, okay, something's <laughs> wrong with this picture. And so I talked to my boss one day, and he said he was a Harvard grad and all these things, and he said, you know, Mark, you need a reality check. Most people would kill to have the opportunity you have to have this management experience at 22 years old. You know, you, you really don't understand how great you have it and on and on and on. And so I said, you know what? Okay. So I walked away with my tail between my legs a little bit. And the next day I got a call from a headhunter and he said, I'm, I'm, I've got this company in Idaho that's growing 20% a month compounding and they're just exploding and they need somebody to be their expert to come in and manage it. But there's one problem. They're, they're MLM, they're direct sales. Uh -oh. And I said, oh, okay, no problem. And he goes, oh, you don't have a problem. And I said, no, I've had friends. I dabbled in, in uh, a couple of companies uh, that I'd been involved with. Now it's called Juice Plus. Back then it was uh, just water filtration, you know, and, and it sold Equinox, some, right? Equinox, NSA uh, and all that. Yeah. NSA is what it was. Yeah. So yeah. I went out and sold all my filters, but then I didn't know who I was going to sell to the next month. So I, I learned a valuable lesson about uh, highly disposable products. So anyway, he told me the name of the company it was called Meluca. And I said, oh, great. So I flew up, met Frank Vandersloot, great guy. Thought, wow, this is going to be wonderful. Doubled my salary, told me he'd move the family up there and we would go to work in, in Idaho Falls. Well, I liked the outdoors and I thought, this is beautiful. And uh, went to work there and had a lot of fun in the industry. There were some things I didn't like behind the scenes. I won't get into that. But basically, there were some things I, I realized in my first few years there that this probably wouldn't be a long-term thing. 
but I still loved the industry and everything I, I was doing with it. Spent about three and a half years up there. And from that time, the company grew from 29 million. The first year was 100 million. The next year, 200 million. Wow. The next year, 300 million before it ever started to settle down a little bit and then slow down. Took a little bit of a saddle. Most companies do. In fact, all companies will take some time that as they're maturing and, and, uh, and then and kind of going forward. And at that point, I kind of made a jump and said, I want to go be an entrepreneur again. So I went out with some buddies and decided we were going to start our own business. So we started consulting. We were having a lot of fun, but I realized another lesson in life, and that was consultants are only as good as how many hours they can build because you can't leverage it. Yeah. And so I, I could never build any leverage off of it because I was going from one gig to the next. And that's when one of my friends contacted me in early 1996 and said, there's a company called USANA Health Sciences. He, he was the CFO with me at the other company at Meluca and had gone now to USANA. And uh, that guy was a great guy. And we always got along really well and said, you need to come and go to work for us. And I said, oh man, no way. I don't want to be an employee. That's not where I want to go. But this was a public company. And I thought, okay, they can't make up stories. They have to tell the truth that, you know, there were some things that I liked about it. And after about six months, they convinced me to go to work in 96 with them. Well, before we go to that, like, and that's amazing. A lot of experience. How many, you were three and a half years at Melaleuca? Yes. Now, wait a minute. When you joined the corporate side, right? You'd never done it. Like you were people saying like you were in a pyramid or what were they saying to you? Like they're oh. saying stupid stuff to you. Like what, you know, yeah. people sit out there. I talked to a lot of people that like, oh, you know, this and that. They don't have, they have a, like somebody else's version of what they think and all this kind of stuff. I mean, what was going on? Like, did anybody ever give you trouble for being a part of a network marketing company? All the time. In fact, one of my uncles who I just respected so much, he's a very successful businessman and entrepreneur. And I just always had a lot of great respect for him. And I still do to this day. I remember walking up to him and I was so excited. And he was like, Mark, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm going to work for this company in Idaho. Started explaining what it was. And he goes, isn't that one of those pyramid things? And I said, no, no, no. And I was trying to explain it to him. And he basically was really dismissive with me and said, you know, I'd be excited for if you were going to work for a legitimate company. But and just kind of shook his head and walked away. And I went, and you know, for a minute you're hurt and you're devastated. But then I, then I got, that's my motivation in life. So if you tell me I can't get to the top of the mountain on my snowmobile, I'm going to find a way. Uh, if you tell me this is a loser thing and I, I see the opportunity, I'm going to show you that it's not. So he kind of fueled my fire and, uh, yeah. and got a little bit of a, a, a swagger for me to say, I'm going to show you. And uh, so that, that was kind of the beginning of, but all the time because it's one of the most misunderstood industries there are out there because no one really wants to understand it because it's, it's kind of scary to them. Most people are raised as what? We go to school, get good grades, stay out of trouble. That's what my mom always used to tell me. In yeah. fact, my mom, when I went to work there, my own parents sat down with me and said, what are you doing? Why would you leave a good paying job to go to work for one of those companies? And, uh, mm -hmm. and it was one of those companies. And I think over time, it took, took a long time, but over time, I think they finally come to realization of, oh, wow, I fully misunderstood what this is all about. Yeah, I went to work for one of those, not those, one of those really well-respected companies after the Army. So I did seven years in college. I tried to play sports, college. I graduate from college. I'm a second lieutenant, go to Korea, spend about seven years on active duty, all these different positions I had and different responsibilities. So then I go to get a real company job. And guess what? Like the, one of those things, on a, as an employee, uh, 
those jobs aren't even in like America anymore. They like, shipped all the jobs. I mean, I'm talking about the most world-class computer factory. People would come and like do tours. I'm like, who's that up there? Oh, that's Ford Motor. That's, that's the government. That's like, and we're down there, you know, like I got the employees and they're building the servers and they're building computers. And it's like the greatest thing in the world. And it's like at the time, I, mean, I work for Dell uh, and um, you know, it's, I have my little salary. Uh, I worked a lot of hours and I left there in 2003 because of network marketing, because of, of the USANA business that I was in when I, where I met you. However, all those jobs aren't even there anymore. So, I mean, you can sit there with the company and they, you can talk to people. I have a friend that still works there and he's just barely up to six figures. He hates his life. Uh, I mean, he doesn't hate his life, but he hates his like business job life. Right. And so, I'm so glad I was able to get out of that. And um, so when someone says those types of companies, I'm like, what are you like, what are you hitching your wagon to, right? Because, you know, at the end of the day, the uh, there's no loyalty in like the traditional, those big, you know, multinational companies for the most part. So you know, that was Steve, my experience. I agree with you. And I talk to people all the time about in this industry, you have to be crazy before you're lucky. And when I talk about that, because everybody will call you crazy and you have to be ready for it because it's so misunderstood. But once you realize what it does in this industry and what it can offer you, yeah, it takes work. Yes, it takes commitment and dedication. It's a business. But down the road, no one will come and say, wow, I'm so happy for you. Looks like you've really deserved that. And isn't that a great prestigious job because you're an attorney or you're a, a doctor or a lawyer or work for Dell or whoever. What they do is they say, you're so lucky. <laughs> and, and they don't even understand. And so I, you know, I often tell people, but it's okay. You go from crazy to being lucky and all you have to do is just smile and say yes, because it, it doesn't help to argue with them because they're just uneducated. They're just a little ignorant to what really the business is and what it can provide for them. But as people educate themselves, it's why it's over a hundred years old as an industry. It's why it's $200 billion. It's why it's still growing as an industry. So people come around and that's the fun thing about it. I think the new millennials are even becoming more open to it because they're a little rebellious by nature and uh, looking for something that will fit their lifestyle. And I think that's one of the reasons why our industry is really taking off again. I have to agree. I mean, uh, from what I've seen, there's, there's not too many. I got started because I wanted residual income, like the idea of that. And, uh, you know, one of our friends had a book, Robert Allen, Multiple Streams of Income. And I was like looking for stocks and real estate because I had some properties. So I figured that would be more legit. He's doing all this multiple streams. I want to do that. Meanwhile, I need to get a job at this point. I was like 30 right out of the army. And uh, I read that book, but it was, it, was, it was the idea that you could create a residual. And um, that's where I kind of like ran into the, my first network marketing business. I've only been in two. And the first one, which, which is where you worked. And I met you. You were pretty young. I was young in the company. I think you were pretty young in the company as well, working there. And um, I think you were working the call. I don't know if it, you were still working that, but in 2000, I'm not sure what position you had at that point. But that's when I got started. 2001, basically, I got going. I went to the first convention, and that was like a big deal. I tell people, you got to go to the first conventions because they mean a lot. But they're 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 going to change your world in, in so many ways uh, because the people you'll meet and this the things you'll see. But so you so what made you get started again in the network marketing business as far as a corporate guy like what did what did you you know corporate situation you know your job you said you didn't want to do it you don't want to be an you're an entrepreneur like what got you well 
You know, it was interesting. It was a lot of reflection and there was a, a leap of faith. Part, part of it was a good friend of mine who kept showing me, look, this can be an opportunity for you. And, and I remember him saying that, you know, there are, Mark, there are several opportunities in your life, usually one or two or two or three that come along that are those kind of career moments that really can, can reshape your life. And I was looking at that and I was doing well at what I was doing, but, but I saw this opportunity with a company that now was very similar to my previous Meluca in that it was 24 million in sales. I saw the potential again, it was public. So I thought, well, there's some opportunity there to, you know, to increase some, some uh, wealth for my family. But also when I went and met the, the representatives, the independent representatives that were working there, and I went to one of the conventions kind of just incognito, I saw such great caliber of individuals that I saw, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for me to come in and make a mark somewhere. And we took off and just had a blast. In 1996, we started, that thing grew. There were a lot of management changes and changeovers with people leaving and different things happening. But over a course of almost 15 years, we grew that to almost $600 million in sales and, and played a, an, a real integral part in that in being the chief sales officer and being in charge of most of the markets. It just had a great time. And I loved working with people because this industry is the coolest industry on the planet. There's nowhere where somebody as an average person can come in and say, I get to decide how much I want to earn, how much I want to travel, what I want to do in life and who I want to work with. And there, there isn't a place in any, in, in any industry, you're told who you work with, you're told when you work, you're told when you can take on vacations, you're told how much you make. And, and so I look at that and go, this was amazing. And watching the lifestyles, it's fun. And, and then I get to work with people like you, with Steve, with Tim, with all these other great people in the field. And I went, I know that we call this work, but th this is fun. This is fun. So, so you're at USANA. You've, I mean, if you're the chief sales officer, I mean, you, uh, and you went from 20, what was it 24 million to 600 million? You, and you had different roles during, during that time, but like, yep. Started you knew what you were doing, like, you know what I mean? In other words, I talked to some people and there was people, I was just at this master <clears throat> mastermind and I was just at this big, uh, you know, we were at the GoPro with Eric Gorey and there's lots of different companies and you know that the, the guys that are running a lot of these companies, guys and gals, um, it's just a different caliber of people. And so some people have like started one company after another inside of network marketing as the owners and it's gone up, it's gone down, uh, you know, and they have like a track record of failure and what I look at with you guys, especially with your background and having seen it, is a track record of success, a track record of opening multiple markets, of uh, working with people. And, um, and, you know, so you look at that, all that experience that you brought to the table when, uh, when RX began and, and, and all of that. So that's very, very important because you guys know what you're doing. I mean, when, when I look back at it, you, it was you and Fred that were on the stage so many times. You guys were great. You bantered back and forth with each other a lot. And uh, you were really kind of like that culture of the company. And what I would say is, what's very important is, you're, to me, Mark Wilson is like the guy who gets along with all the different reps, has to work with all the different personalities, and has done probably more presentations than anybody else in, our, in, 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 in the companies because you've done that. So you're almost like, a, even though you're an owner now, uh, and you were executive before, um, it's like, you're almost like a rep to me. Like you're like, cause you, you've been in the trenches doing all the presentations. So. Yeah. Thanks Steve. Yeah. There was a time I, I counted one year that I think I was home, maybe a total of four or five weekends the whole year. 
So we were on the road a lot. We love being hands-on and we've done that same thing here at Rx. And so we looked at this and working with the field leaders, helping them grow their business, helping them dream big, helping them realize what their potential was. That's kind of my, uh, my addiction. You know, I love seeing that entrepreneurial flair because really what we're doing is helping people shift from that employee mindset to an entrepreneur mindset, which is a difficult change. It's a difficult change for, for most people to think like an entrepreneur and stop thinking like an employee. Yeah. And that's why I think our industry gets such a bad rap so often is because people are so programmed like an employee mindset, they don't think like an entrepreneur. And once you get it, oh, it, it, it unleashes all kinds of potential in you to grow and to really find out what my potential is in life. And that's really the fun we've had. And, you know, thank you for the track record. I, I've been very blessed and very fortunate. Worked with two companies, both are now over a billion dollars, played in, uh, I think, a fairly significant role in both of those and growing and learning and seeing what it looks like. And Rx is, is, is set up and established uh, so much better than any of those were. And I don't mean that just because I'm here. It's because I've seen this and been a student of the industry for now almost 30 years. So it's been fun to see the, the changes and, and what's happening here. So when you, yeah. And before we jump into like how Rx got started and, you know, maybe we can just kind of transition into that. But so, well, maybe that's exactly actually where we'll go with it is, is, um, so you were doing, I mean, you were making some pretty good money at, at what was your, like when you left USANA or when you were there, like what, like what was your, can you tell me your salary or is it like it's a private public or what? Company. Yeah, uh, it's public. So okay. it, it was, we were section 16 officers. So it was all public information. Uh, Fred and I were making about a million and a half to $2 million a year with bonuses, salaries and, and everything. <laughs> so it was ridiculous. Fat and happy. And yeah. plus you had like stock and everything else. Oh yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, we left in on May 9th in 2011 and had we stayed through uh, the 1st of June, um, I think it was June or July. I can't remember now. It's been 11 years, but it was, it was about a month or so away. We both would have received about a net of a million dollars each year. Uh, so if you would have stayed, you left in May 9th. If you would have left, I think it was July 1st. I think it I think was, it was like, July 1st. I remember this. So it's like yeah. two months away. Yeah. Yep. You would have got an extra million bucks. Each of us. Yeah. Net. Oh not, my not, gosh. Not yeah. I know my wife still teases me about that, but you know, there were some, some reasons why that we had realized it was time. It was time to go. And, and so it wasn't for money. In fact, if I look back on it, I probably could have made more money there than I would have here if I would have just stayed and, and been, you know, been there. Uh, the reason for us and everybody asked me, well, then why would you leave? Why would you leave a gig like that and not take salaries for years, put everything back in, put all your retirement, sell all your toys, and put it all back in to start this crazy thing called Rx? It was because several reasons. Uh, first of all, we felt like the industry needed a hero. And I know that sounds cliche, but we were watching what was going on in the industry, and we loved the industry. Uh, but it gets hard to really be excited about something when you know you're not really treating people the way you should be treating them. And uh, a lot of it was what I call the bait and switch, where we would tell representatives, you own your own business. But in reality, most people's contracts, you're just a glorified salesperson. You really don't own your own business. You think you do, but the reality is they can change the rules anytime they want, and they could end it anytime they want with notice. So we said, you know, why would we be asking people to sign something we would never sign and agree to? Why not? And we tried to get the company to make those changes. We pushed for, for many years. And... Uh, a lot of behind the scenes discussions. 
and and finally realized they had no desire to change it. And quite frankly, when you're when you're growing to a billion dollars, when you've got huge profits every year, I can see why sometimes they're not very motivated because financially there was no motivation to make those changes other than the abundant mentality, I call it. And so we said, the only way we're gonna change this is create competition because competition in our industry, in any industry, is the only way you improve things. And we thought, we'll never get them to convince them to change it unless we create competition. And so that's what we did. In 2011, we decided we're gonna start Rx. We're gonna go out and we're gonna create a company that challenges what the good old boys have been doing for years in our industry. We're gonna create a contract that is ridiculous. It is so disruptive in our industry, no one's ever seen it before. We're gonna treat people differently. We're gonna approach the business differently than it's ever been approached before. And take and become that industry disruptor, just like Uber did to the taxi business, just like Airbnb is doing to the, the hotel business. You see these industry disruptors, even, even our stupid phones. I mean, you look at how competitive our phones are, it's through that competition, it's through that disruptive attitude where you really change things. And we thought, why not change our industry? Let's go be this, those disruptors so that in the future we can look back and say, we made a real difference in the industry rather than we made a whole bunch of money. And don't get me wrong, we still want to make a whole bunch of money, but, but there's a right way to do that. Well, I think it's interesting because, you know, you were with, when you look at a company that's like, I don't know, at that point, whatever, 20 something, maybe 20 years old or almost at that point, maybe, maybe not that old. When, Just, yep. Yeah. So to get like an, like some, like a, someone that's set in their ways to get them to change, like for instance, if they're making money, right? They're looking at the bottom line. They're not maybe like looking at, hey, in America, it's not going, like in North America, it's not going so amazing. But I think you have to like, the big thing is, is developing those relationships with the field, right? That's in network marketing, the ultimate thing. It's the company and the field. And it, and it I remember I was on uh, some of the councils and the difference is like, I was on these partners council things, whatever they called it, uh, distributor councils. and we you're you're a busy guy so sorry so it's all right <laughs> you're the president <laughs> so so just moving forward if, if, i would say that um we would discuss things there and then we'd be at the convention and we'd get whole new news like and like it was never told to us and things were changing and things like this so getting that getting a company to for instance pay pay more money right pay out more money when they're already doing well, they don't feel they need to do that, right? Does that make sense? Like Absolutely, and, and that is, it's hard to understand because if you're on the outside looking in and you're saying, why are you changing the rules on me? So for example, one year we were asked to change commissions payout and decrease it by $13 million, for example. And, and so from a company perspective, you look at it and go, you already have so much, why, why are you doing this, right? You, 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 it's not that the company needs it, it's just that they had a, a goal. And, and you knew you were, you were impacting people's lives where that extra $100 or that extra 1,000 or that extra 2,000 did matter to them, right? And, and so that's where you know, we started to not feel congruent with who we were and what we had been talking about in our industry for years. We'd been standing on stage around the world telling people, if you build this, this is, this is your livelihood. This is something that's a legacy business for your family. We're partners. You know, we're in this together. We want you to win. And then all of a sudden, we're changing the rules and kind of taking on the attitude, well, we'll take it away from you so you have to work harder to get what you used to have. And, 
for me, that's never motivated me. It never motivated my partners. And we said, how can we stand up and, and feel like we're congruent with the company when we're telling something we know is not true? And uh, so it wasn't ever about destroying a company. It wasn't ever about, you know, one of the things I'm probably the most uh, proud about is never reached out and solicited people to say, hey, come with us or anything when we left. We said, we want that company to be successful. In fact, one of the things I'm probably the most proud about is both companies I've left have continued to succeed, continued to go on and grow. So it's never been about destroying, it's about, about building up and providing new opportunities because I see it as if we create the right competition, not everybody's gonna join RX, but what we're gonna do is force the industry to change and improve. And our industry is such an incredible industry and it's so misunderstood in so many ways. When people really do understand it in the future, it, I believe it will become one of the greatest industries there is in the planet. I think it's going to be so respected. It's going to be like being a doctor, an attorney. And other people will look at you and say, wow, you, you climbed to the top as an entrepreneur in the direct sales industry. That is something to be very proud of and to be very confident in who you are because it's a skill set like anything else. Very cool. I'm, I'm, and there's a, that's what I'm seeing with the training. More and more people are taking it serious. I'm part of these masterminds where we're seven figure earners from different companies. And the whole goal there is to make everyone more professional. And I think, uh, and then they're even bringing in like Eric Warry's even bringing in uh, the corporate guys. You were there at his house doing all these things. So I think we're all heading in that direction versus maybe like 20 years ago when your friends like shooting from the hip trying to get, you know, and it's just a completely different situation. Now. It was the wild um, west, wasn't it, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, okay. So when we started RX 2011, uh, you know, I was, I was one of the first people to get started with it as well. There was other people that joined and uh, they were even like ahead of me and they, they basically are no longer here. I mean, it doesn't matter when you get started, but it matters that you get started and, uh, and what you do with it. And so when, can you tell me, like, tell, like, what was, I don't know if you want to, what, what kind of details you want to go into, but like, what was some of the, okay, so you start, what was like one of the biggest challenges? Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. Like what, <laughs> what, like, in other words, we're starting this new business. Woohoo! I mean, the stories were unbelievable. People told me, oh, they paid this guy 5 million to join. I was like, they didn't even use 5 million. They barely used that much to get started the company. I mean, it's just, and we didn't pay people to join. We didn't do any of that kind of stuff. And like, yeah. um, you know, but that's just the people, they got to come up with justification. All of you head. know, all of you know, Steve, including Tim Sales, the very first distributor in, all of you paid for your own beginnings, your kits. You, you all kind of started the same way. We all started because we needed integrity to be able to say, uh, you can build this. So paying somebody to join or anything has not only never been our thing, but it's just not in our DNA because we feel like to have integrity you need to be able to look people in the face and say, look, you can do this and you can do it today even better than you could do it. You know, cause when you started here oh, eight and a half years ago, Oh my goodness. You know, you guys used to tease us. If you remember, Oh, they're the five vitamins, you know, <laughs> five vitamins. And we're like, we're not a vitamin company. We're an opportunity company because we had a vision of where we were going. I could tell you story after story. Probably one of my favorite stories was when people talk about difficulty and, and overcoming kind of obstacles, we had probably 40,000. Let, let me hold on because this is, this is, you got to realize everybody that's listening to this, you were making like 1.75 million, something like that. I remember you telling me, and you're going from that lifestyle to zero to like, zero. <laughs> and then, and then you had a huge, how big, how, how big is your house in, uh, well, how big is it in Wellsville? It's like 10,000 square feet. 
something like this. 13,000 square feet. 13,000. I mean, it's unbelievable. We were just there a couple of weeks ago with all the Italian team and it was amazing, but you had this huge house. It wasn't even finished completely. Right. And this was like your dream home with 120 acres. You got snowmobiles. I mean, I don't know how many cars you had yet. You have every, all this stuff going on. And now it's like, Oh, you're an entrepreneur again. Now you're an owner of a company. You don't get to paint the fence for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Everything changed. And, uh, you know, but, but the reality was uh, one example, we started and the, we had a bunch of people come to us from Asia who said, we're really unhappy. We want to do some things with you. We're with you. We, we want to come and, and be part of this great new company. So we had commitments of probably 40,000 people say, we're, we're going to come and be part of this. And so as you can imagine, we went out, created inventory. We, we started with 5 million, as you mentioned, Steve, and spent a ton of money on inventory and everything, getting it there, getting it ready getting everything set up, offices and everything. And then right when we're ready to start in July, suddenly uh, 2,000 people came. And so 38,000 decided, oh, thank you anyway. The, the company we're with has decided to uh, change and, and not do what they said they were going to do to us. And so for probably for fear and competitively wise, wisely uh, to keep them from joining us. But they, they all turned out and they said, thank you. We appreciate you uh, helping us get the deal we wanted. But <laughs> but good, best of luck to you. So we're sitting there with all this inventory. We're sitting there with every penny we've spent and it would have been very easy to fold right then. We could have just said, well, we're done. Uh, But that isn't our attitude because we'd already kind of burned the the ships behind us. There was no turning back in this one. We, we were, we were resilient and had, and, and that's what you need to do in business is you need to be consistent, but you also need to be tenacious. And in moments of, of those kind of moments, you, you can't, you can't question, you can't second guess, you know in your heart what you need to do. You just need to keep moving forward. And that's the difference between an employee and an entrepreneur. Because an employee just kind of reverts back to, well, boss, just tell me what to do. Where an entrepreneur says, there's no one else, it's me. And so as a team, we buckled down and we said, oh, we're gonna have to, uh, we're gonna have to kind of find new ways and new avenues. And you know what, the fun thing is, right when that seems like it's gonna break and you can't go another day, something great breaks through in your life. And we had some great things happen to us. And the next thing you know, we were off and growing in Japan and some opportunities. And that was actually one of our first acquisitions uh, was, a, was that acquisition that got us into Japan and, and Taiwan and gave us a new hope that, hey, we can do this and we can build and, and we'll keep going because we're not going to quit. And then we had that multi-brand strategy. And that's really where, you know, uh, where we started to acquire different products and then they became, you know, uh, different, they, they started filling out the different brands and things of this nature. And, and now, you know, if you look at, uh, and, and steady growth, I mean, there wasn't years where RX went, poof, you know, it was Every like year. boom, boom, boom. Some companies started faster than us. They started at the same time. They had really good looking marketing and this and that and the other thing or whatever. And maybe they had even better leaders. I don't know, but whatever they had, they started uh, like better, you know, I'll take, I'll take it. Maybe they're better leader than I was, whatever. And they took off and they went, and they're gone. I mean, they're gone now. Like their companies are gone. They've changed their names. They're not doing the same thing. And really it was that foundation, that strong leadership of the, you know, when you guys, and, and the Tim Sales and I said this, I was like, we we're like, man, like you don't get, like this is like having the NFL team, like the, the, the guys with all your experience starting over, you weren't rookies, right? You were NFL, right? So 
no wonder we're going to be successful. We're not going to fail and we don't have the attitude to fail. And so with your, you know, this, what I always say is ARCS was built on solid, you know, foundation versus, you know, we had a great marketing, but really the owners are doing weird things and all this other stuff. And like, or it's not, you know, yeah. it's built on sand and they collapse versus we're built on this strong foundation. And now you're seeing, uh, how everything's going. So, Steve, something right there you touched on, which is so important, which our industry really should be divided into two categories. There should be the trend businesses, and then there's the legacy businesses. And the trend businesses are these businesses you're talking about, where they're here today, gone tomorrow. And we see them. We see them with companies like Mona V. We've seen them with companies like Zango. We've seen them with, you know, even some of the skincare companies. They're, they, they build a lot of hype and energy, and then all of a sudden they plateau and peak, and they crash just as fast. And so they gain a lot of attention and you get a lot of bandwagoners jumping on them and, and running, thinking this is it, but they're not. Get me a so spot, man. Get me a position. I was like, I and, hate this. The and when you hear that in, your, in, in the industry, be very careful. So I've seen a lot of people get sidetracked when that shiny new thing comes rolling by and you think, oh, yeah. I'm going to jump on this because maybe that's my opportunity. And so many of them. Uh, are not built for the long-term business development. They're not built for the long-term haul, so to speak. And so everything we've done in RX has been built on the legacy, on the long-term. So we don't react necessarily to what everybody else reacts to. And sometimes people get a little frustrated with this because they're like, we should be doing this. And you're like, yeah, I, I get that, but that's a trend, the cryptocurrency. I, all these people, and you know what? A few at the top made a fortune. But what's, what saddens me is, it, it tends to give our industry a bad image. It tends to have a whole bunch of, of what I call, you know, rape, pillage, and plunder. And you got a lot of people that are left desolate with now a bitter taste about our industry because they were the ones, the masses who got in, who got taken advantage of. And in our industry, we want to be one of those companies that you get value from day one, not just with the product, but you have an opportunity to get value ongoing and it's not going to be gone tomorrow. And that's a huge difference in our industry. So and I think right. that's some of the major reasons. Like if you were to tell someone why RX, what would you, those things included right there. Why would you, you know, why are, why should someone look at RX? If someone's looking, if someone invited you to look at RX, the reason I did this uh, interview is so you can see who's like running the company, right? You can see who is behind uh, the scenes here and also will get to know you as well. You want to know who's like owning it, who's, who's putting these things to, you know, moving the company forward so that we're not like left, you know, holding oh. the bag, like you said, or whatever. So Perfect. Like, why would, why would somebody, you know, why should somebody look at RX? Great. Uh, real quick. First of all, I think when you look at how we've been so disruptive in the industry and what we're doing, that's so unique leading the way to a whole new era in our industry by being that industry disruptor. When I talk about bill of rights with your representative rights in your contract, you really do own your business versus another company. You really are just a glorified salesperson. I promise you, you don't believe me, go back and look. Number two, our whole house of brands category you're talking about where we're the opportunity company and we're not a juice company. We're not a skincare company. We're not a nutrition company. We're not a weight loss company. We're an opportunity company. We provide brands that your consumers want. And as long as they want those brands, great, but we'll change and be able to do it. So your business is legacy set up. We've established ourselves around the world. We're profitable. We we're very, very efficient. When we were running a public company, we were the most efficient team there was and probably still this day in the public, but we're even more efficient at Oryx. We don't have Taj Mahal offices. 
they're nice. They're, they work. Steve's been here. But uh, the reality is we put the money where it, where it grows the business. And so we understand business like nobody else. We're, we, we collaborate, meaning we don't have one person that owns this company. We don't even have two of us that controls this company. The, we did that on purpose. We want to make sure we don't have founder's dilemma. That's a whole other discussion we get into. Mm -hmm. You look at all the differences and you add those all up with Oryx. We are so unique and so different when you really look behind the scenes of what we've been able to do and where we're going, that consistent, steady growth that's continuing, uh, the acquisition model uh, with new brands coming on. We've, we've had three companies in the last year and a half join us. Companies are now coming to us saying, hey, we like what you're doing. We want to be part of the RX family because we see that you can help us get our brand around the world and grow the business and give our representatives opportunities they've never had before. So if you've ever thought about day one, eight and a half years ago, oh, that's a scary time because you've got to be a pioneer. You got to be out there and just saying, I got a big dream and I got to convince people. Now it's easy to show people what's going on and how successful we are. And not only that, you have so many opportunities now that have been put in place and it's only getting better. We're just getting started. We are just kind of getting into that momentum, which is going to continue because we built it right. And we understand the industry probably better than anybody. Uh, well, I, I think, I think so too. And, you know, from a, from a, someone that's in the field building the reps, um, you know, we were talking about it earlier. A lot of times like leaders don't last that long, especially when you start from like day one to like five years, like, you know, and we're already at eight, uh, you know, almost nine, you know, in the next half year or whatever. So, the people that start in the beginning, they rarely ever can make it because they can't um, adjust. Uh, they can't um, adapt and overcome. I'm, I'm sure you probably heard that with military things, but it's actually a real thing. Like you've got to be able to adapt to the environments, overcome obstacles. And most people aren't built that way because they're just, I don't know, they don't live that way. They don't go through things. People don't always play sports. They don't always go. But, but if you can, if you can get that mindset of I'm going to adapt and overcome, I'm going to like figure it out and then you then you, you can be like i'm like it's 2020 now and um i feel like fresh i feel like it's a fresh beginning i feel like um you know i already have a great business but i feel like we're just getting started and um and what's the great part is is uh we're continuing to grow and uh people are coming to us companies are wanting to be acquired by us uh you know and merge in with us because of uh, really it says a lot of how, how you guys are running the company and at the end of the day, so. Well, stay tuned because we're just getting warmed up. We've got some other fun announcements coming up in the next several weeks. So you're gonna see more of what we we're talking about where we're continuing to grow, we're continuing to develop our tools, but more importantly, we have an opportunity for people that I've never seen in this industry before, which is what we wanted to create. We knew it was gonna take some time. Is this something new you didn't even told me about yet? Uh, who knows? You never oh my know. Gosh. I'm a found, double founder. I don't even know this stuff. Yeah. This is pretty cool. So we're excited. We're, we're, we're attracting individuals <laughs> that are uh, legends in our industry that are saying, I want to work with Oryx. So there's some fun, exciting things that are in the works that uh, yeah, we, we look forward to announcing soon. And so uh, folks, the best thing I tell you is do your homework, look at us. And if you want an opportunity, Steve talked about something that I think we could, you could spend a whole podcast on and that is multiple streams of income. Even if you love your job, even if you love what you're doing, there is nothing like this industry to create that extra stream of income. But you might just get surprised and find out this is so much fun. 
this is so, so much more fulfilling than a normal job when you really build this and understand the potential of what you have to do. I see people's lives change all the time. They go from living in apartments, barely getting by paycheck to paycheck to traveling around the world, experiencing their own dream homes, experiencing their own lifestyles that we've just never seen before. And it's at any age. You know, we have really young people all over the world. The fastest growing group is probably the millennials. But we also have individuals who are retired looking for a whole new opportunity and finding that. So that's probably the coolest thing we've been able to create is through this, uh, we've kind of created an opportunity where you really can be successful. Well, I want to leave it on this uh, one last thought about how one of the things that was interesting to me and Fred and you guys have talked about it, Fred Cooper and how to keep people engaged in your company and like how, how to take care of your people long term, which when you were talking about multiple streams of income, there's all these side perks of being an Rx that, you know, you're talking about investment opportunities, uh, the health insurance. I mean, my health insurance went from like two grand a month I was paying to like Blue Cross, whatever the hell, Blue, just, that's just like having a car insurance, right? That's not even going to the thing. Like that's not even going in. If you go in, you got to pay more, right? Yes. To drive, and you guys worked on it for five years. Now we have health insurance. Like these are perks that like you could pay. And now I pay $470. Like, like rewards program. So the rewards programs and, and you know, all the other benefits. And I know there's going to be even more coming down the, coming down the road, but the idea there is to keep people in the company. And I just, you know, and, and not just keep them in, but like help them benefit, like help them. I mean, the fact that you guys would even offer us investments is, you know, no one does that inside of network marketing that I know of. I've never even heard of that. Yeah. You know, but Steve, I think that's part of our, our culture. We, we wanted to be abundant minded. We believe there's plenty for everybody rather than scarcity minded where I want to take all I can get from you because I remember one of my past bosses one time said to me, if you give somebody one penny more than they were willing to take, you're a bad negotiator. You're a bad, you know, you're a bad manager. And I used to think, no, what I should do is have you so excited you want to work for me forever and that you, you want to go out and win more. And so we subscribe to that abundant mentality, even with our representatives, because we're nothing without our field. We are nothing without them. You know, that we understand the relationship. We understand the partnership and how important it is. So it's, it's, it's mutual in respect and appreciation for each other. Why not make it so everybody's winning? And so we have a CEO. He's crazy. He's always gone out and said, let me show you how to take advantage of our comp plan. I'm going to show you all the little secrets. And people just look at go, I've never had this. Most people want to trip you up. That's our mindset is how we can deliver value. And the bigger we get, the more value we want to provide. So we're always looking for value. We just launched a loyalty program where once you qualify for your minimum, you can buy additional product at ridiculous discounts so that your whole family and others can afford it. Or you can increase your profits by going out and, and building your customer base. So again, we're looking for all kinds of ways we can deliver value and we're just getting started. So uh, we look forward to the future as, as we move forward. Awesome. And one last one, I had to throw it in there. For those people that really want to like super achieve and, you know, and you can build a business and have a legacy business with RX regardless of this happening. But, you know, I don't know why I went and grabbed this before this but like, how about that, Mark? Yeah. You know what? I think that I think that's the best rank in all of network marketing. That right? is like, the why best. Why is it? Best. People have no understanding of what we've done. One of the things I talked about with our bill of rights and really making partners a lot of people talk the shop and, and make it sound in marketing that we're friends and we're going to love you forever. We decided we wanted to kind of 
kind of put that not only in, in our, in our marketing, we wanted to put it in writing. And so Steve is what we call a multi country founder, meaning he gets to participate in the profits ongoing. And this is a legacy. This isn't a bonus. Every time we take any profits out of a country, he gets to share in that, in that country that he's a founder in. In addition to that, he can overturn terminations if, if he thinks the company's got out of control. We put a balance of power back to the field. He also gets to vote on any compensation plan change. His vote counts like my vote. Imagine that. We actually don't just say we're partners, we actually put it in writing and we follow those guidelines because in 40, 50 years from now, you know, we all wanna know that somebody's not gonna come and change all the rules on us and go crazy. We wanna make sure this is built for a legacy that if you build it and you spend time in it, we shouldn't be able to change the rules on you. So there are some benefits there that are unbelievable. No other company on the planet does that that I'm aware of. I've never seen it. They all talk it, but when it comes down to it, uh, it becomes more of the scarcity mentality, not the abundant mentality. So we, we think we're going to win big by being abundant minded. And that's why the company's continuing to grow and change the industry. Absolutely. And I've, I've already received founders checks. These are not like some founder, like a lot, a lot of companies have founders or whatever. Those are the first people. And that's not what it is. It takes like three years. Anybody that's listening to this hasn't even started. They could become a founder. It'll take you a Absolutely. few years. You're going to have to do some things like increase your income, build one of the biggest teams in whatever market you're building and, uh, you know, get along with everybody and, uh, and all of these different things. But it's, there's going to be more founders and it's right in front of you. And so I'm excited, Mark. Appreciate you spending time with us and uh, look forward to kicking butt and taking initials because we ain't got time for names in, uh, in, uh, in 2020. So appreciate you, Mark. Hey, thank you so much, Steve. And uh, everybody have a great day. Take care. Attention RX reps around the world. We wanted to let you know about a special offer that RX has stepped up and helped buy tickets to so that you can become a network marketing professional and take your business to the next level. If you want to be a six or seven figure income earner, it helps to be around others who are doing that regardless of what company. And RX has stepped up with Eric Worre and they bought 50 tickets to the GoPro event for the women. It's the most powerful women in network marketing, May 28th to 30th. 2020 in Las Vegas and check it out. It's at the Paris hotel and RX is going to be doing a special day of training with their very own owner and chief product officer, Deanna Lawson. So get your hands on these tickets. We only have 50. They're in the back office. You go and type in 60615 as the uh, code and find those tickets. They're $349. Yeah, that's a little bit of money, but you're taking your business to the next level. And just think of how much impact this is going to have on you. Also, in December 2020, December 8th to 10th, GoPro Recruiting and Mastery. This is for everyone. And RX has also bought 200 tickets when we're going to represent very, very well. We've already been selling more and more of these tickets. And so you want to go to the back office, look, go to, uh, and look up 60614 in the shopping cart, 60614, and go and get your ticket. Yes, it's also $349, but check it out. I just went to that event and I took two things away that have already made me well over that amount of money. And so you want to do this. You want to go to these events. We're going to be there and we want to represent strong. So Mark said that Mark Wilson actually said they're going to buy more tickets if we step up. But right now they have 200. So the sooner you start buying the tickets, the more people are going to go. And it's going to be a big event. And it's a 
And we're also going to do an additional training uh, after the December uh, December event. So you're going to want to be there. It's going to be a great day. We're going to have some awesome training. And you're going to get to meet people in RX from all around the world in Las Vegas. It's going to be fantastic. So go check it out. And we'll see you in Vegas.